Good afternoon. Welcome in. It's Sports Talk. On this Wednesday, midday edition, Scott Brady and Lauren Tate with you here for the first hour going until 6 o'clock. We are on location at the Old Grove Restaurant at the Atkins Golf Club, the quarterback club. They'll be settling in here before too long to take in uh, their dinner and hear a featured speaker. And then the Brett Bielma show later on tonight is also taking place here and will air on our airwaves as well. So it's a busy Wednesday for us. And I welcome in Lauren Tate. Lauren, this uh, crowd's starting to trickle in here, but I hear the the keynote speaker is quite a uh, I presentation. I can't wait to hear what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> How much are they paying to see you? Well, they're getting a scroll. Right? I just have to read it. I mean, I, I'm not going to. It's not going to resonate with me. It's on, it, whatever's on the scroll, I'll read. <laughs> just like uh, Ron Burgundy, if it's there, you'll say it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you should just go Google maybe. Maybe Ray Elliott's speech and just, you know, pro- proper state of mind. Just recite that. No one you will know, know the difference. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. I haven't talked about Ray Elliott's speech, a proper state of mind, for a long time. But I remember the story that he gave about about Amici. And Amici at Wisconsin was on the goal line. And Boreo was on the other side. And Boreo said, send Amici at me. Send Amici at me. You've heard that story, haven't you? No. Oh, you haven't? Tell me. Oh, that's a famous story. And, you know, send Amici at me. And, and you know, Amici got the ball for Wisconsin. And Borio tackled him. And Illinois won the game, according to Ray. <laughs> but uh, I happen to know Borio. <laughs> he and I played poker in the, in the basement of the Sigep house many a night. He weighed about 195 pounds. Amici was an All-American 240-pound pullback, and something tells me if Amici had a, help, a head of steam that Borio wasn't going to stop him, but according to Ray, he did. Ray had a lot of stories like that, that uh, the truth didn't matter, but the emotion of it did. <laughs> um, the, the phrase that uh, the kids use these days is, I'm making a business decision and getting out of the way. <laughs> that kind of thing happens. Well, I, I suppose that could happen. No, Borio was a great player, but I remember him when he was a sophomore, he was on the practice squad. And, uh, uh, you know, he worked his way up, and he became a tremendous linebacker. Chuck Borio, and uh, one of the great linebackers in Illinois history. You know, speaking of uh, battles like that, we had a media availability today with uh, players and some of the coaches for Illinois football, and Bart Miller was uh, a bit proud of the interaction between Alex Pilstrom, the center, and uh, I, I don't know which Tommy DeVito sneak it was. It might have been the first one, but he was pushing the nose guard for Wisconsin a good two yards into the end zone, and Tommy DeVito just fell forward and scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were wondering what was taking the referees so long to figure it out, but it was a touchdown for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But the, the physicality of that offensive line on, on this past Saturday against Wisconsin was good. Where the mistakes have happened for the offensive line, Lauren, have been more on the mental side. And I don't know if you want to say that's encouraging or discouraging because they're not getting beat a ton by being overpowered. Well, let's put it this way. The, the opposing team, does, the players on the opposing team do not always do what you expect them to do. Mm-hmm. They have a right to, to do different things. They can, <laughs> they can uh, you know, they can blitz, for example. They can, they can uh, move to the left or the right. I mean, they don't, they don't have to just be, be a sitting duck for you. Yeah. And there's no question that, that the, the key play against Indiana was, was uh, a case of Chrysler just missing his block. Well, sure thing. I mean, he, he, he didn't miss it. He went for the wrong guy. 
and the tackle was untouched, came through and, and tackled uh, Chase Brown behind the line of scrimmage. But uh, that doesn't mean that we weren't more physical than them. It just means we made the wrong decision. Right. And uh, you know, I think the wrong decision will will make coaches really frustrated because it's like, guys, we worked on this. Let's let's execute well, at a high level. Well, but at the same time, I'm encouraged where you see a you know an offensive line that's that's winning their battles. And if they just you know play mentally sharp, and 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 look, the offensive line has played well. I'm not trying to say that they have it, but I'm saying when there has been issues, it's been more on the mental than it has been on the physical side. I think that's probably right. By the way. On one of those quarterbacks, Sneak Adams made a tremendous block, too. Uh, Adams and Pilstrom were the key guys on, on getting that ball across the goal line. And it's awfully hard to stop a one-yard play. It's really hard unless, you, unless you're more physical on the other side. Yep. Coming up, Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. He will join us here at the uh, Atkins Golf Club. We'll talk some Illinois football with him. And the next hour, Michael Martin, Illini sideline reporter, will be alongside us. Evan Kahn is here for hour number two. This is just the first part of a full full meal of sports on our airwaves today. Again, we're with you till 6 o'clock, and then it's Prep Confidential, Prep Football Confidential from Serve Pro and the U of I Army ROTC. Colin Likas and Joey Wright will be diving into area high school sports. And then live right here again at 7 o'clock, the Brett Bielma Show. Brian Barnhart hosting that as Illinois gets ready for Iowa. This uh, Iowa game, I wanted to bring this up to you, Lauren. I was thinking about it. This is actually the year before I came to school here, 1997. Mm-hmm. 0-11 year. Let me read you the uh, first two digits of the some of the home attendance. 44,000, 47,000, 51,000, that was Penn State, 45,000, Purdue, Northwestern, 41,000, Michigan State was down to 30,000. Now that's the last game in November and uh, against – and you're an 0-10 team going into that game. But I'm pointing out that the, uh, the average – Attendance that year, in 1997, in an 0-11 year, was 7,000 better than last year. It was a carryover from the Mike White era when, when they went from Moeller to, to White and, and when Mike uh, simply filled the, filled the stadium. Mm-hmm. There were three years in a row where they had mostly sellouts. And they, they got up into the 70s, and then it just is, is, since that time it's just gradually come down. I don't think we realized we were going to be 0-11. You're talking about it was an 0-11 year, but yeah. you don't know that when the season starts. Of course and not. Fans were hopeful that, that that would be a good season. And uh, My guess is more season tickets were out at the oh, beginning of the oh, year. Oh, no question. There's a long, yeah. It's been a long period of losing season ticket holders that have brought the crowds down to we're announcing 37,000, and there are really only 27,000 showing up, or you're announcing – 30,000 and only 20,000. About 10,000 people are, that have bought tickets don't show up regularly for the games. But right this, now. this may be the best attended game in, in recent history this coming Saturday. And uh, just today, they, yesterday they gave out free student tickets. They say courtesy of a donor. Today they had a, a business uh, offer a package deal on, on four for, I think it was 110 or, or so. When I looked midday today, there was no available seats in the east balcony. You could not buy it off the Fighting Illini website. Uh, there were some down underneath on the on the premium seats. Well, there were thirteen thousand shy of a sellout, weren't they? I don't know. Uh, that I don't was know the, the number, number I saw uh, as of earlier yeah. today. But. There were still seats in the horseshoe, and there were still nice midfield seats. 
um, on the east side. But it's going to be a well. At least the number of tickets out is is for sure going to be the. I'm I'm going to guess. I I'm totally speculating because nobody's given me a number. Maybe you know. I'm going to guess no, it's fifty-ish at least. Uh, it's a guess. I mean, yeah, yeah. We'll see how many people actually show up on the day of the game and buy a ticket. Also, well, yeah. And, and I think that number will be bigger. Now, what what does the fact it's a six thirty game? What does the fact it's a night game? How does that play as opposed to if it is eleven o'clock or a two thirty game? Which I, is which. Which uh, time do fans want to come to games, and how chilly is it going to be on that uh, on that particular night, Saturday night? It's going to be in the 30s on that east balcony. If I'm coming from my hometown in the Chicago area, I'd like a 2:30 game, unless I've yeah. got a hotel room booked or yeah. friends down here I'm staying with. But if you're here in the area, there's no problem. 6:30, that's fun. Come out and tailgate all day, have fun, or get your chores done, do your errands, and then go to a football game. So, well, this this is the thing that is the key to the future of Illinois football is getting the fans back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it won't be, it, it, it isn't going to be accomplished with one game because we've been fooled too many times before. And what we need is a string of wins here. If, if he can put together a string, then, then you're going to find the fans will start to come back. So far, so good in, the, in that three straight wins, uh, Virginia Chattanooga, Wisconsin and a real solid chance against Iowa. Um, you know, you could both sides are probably looking at how are we going to score against that defense, but I think Illinois' offense has a better shot than Iowa's offense at scoring points. Well, I think Iowa will be very conservative in the game. They're going to try to throw the ball at times, but they're going to they're going to bank on their defense holding Illinois down. That's what they're going to. That's what they bank on every game. And of course, in the Rutgers game, which was a toss-up game going in, really. Uh, they scored two touchdowns on defense. When you do that, when you return an interception, you return that. that, that this is the thing that Illinois cannot. They, Illinois must play the same way that Iowa does. You can't give up uh, turnaround plays like that. Pick up a fumble and run for a touchdown. Pick up an interception and run for a touchdown. That's, those, those are killer plays. We'll get more football here. Robert Rosenthal will join us. But uh, the bracket is set for Major League Baseball, sir, with the Cardinals and the Phillies, three games, up to three games, that is, at Bush Stadium. And uh, everything, Evan pointed out, everything is in the central or east coast, central part of the country, east coast. St. Louis is the furthest west that a team is hosting in this opening round. Is that right? So you, you all get, everyone gets nice TV times for all that. Today, there, there's a full slate of Major League Baseball of games that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Oh. No. <laughs> Schedule of games that don't matter. <laughs> yep. It, Did you see that statistic on Molina? I, I don't know if it, it's true, and I haven't checked it. I don't know any way to check it. Okay. That he has only played 18 games in his career during the regular season that didn't matter. They had either clinched a playoff spot or were still in contention for a playoff spot in all but 18 games. Wow. If that's true, that's the dernest thing I ever had. I heard it on TV, and I, I tried to write it down. I, I think I heard it right. That's incredible. You got 19 any- years, and there's only been 18 games he played that didn't matter. If you have anything you want to weigh in, you can uh, text us Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357, or if you're here in the room, you can write it down on a piece of paper and just give it to us. We'll come back. Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com. We usually talk to him on Tuesdays, but we wanted to save him for here in person on a Wednesday. He joins us next. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
Hi, this is Colin Likas with the News Gazette. Join us tonight for the Serve Pro Press Football Confidential Show, powered by the U of I Army ROTC, live at 6 p.m. right here at EWS. That's after we conclude our portion of the day. Go until 6 o'clock here on Sports Talk. Live on location at the homegrown restaurant at the Atkins Golf Club. Used to be the Stone Creek Golf Club, and U of I took it over and have redone the course and upgraded the restaurant as well. The quarterback club is meeting here for a Wednesday for a, a, an alternative to their Thursday regular meetings. Coach Bielma will be here to speak to them, and then we'll do his radio show here at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it on our airwaves. The so-called law firm, Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton, will be here as well. I think you could make a case that Calvin Avery should get a partnership in that law firm as he well. He thinks so. Right now, what is he, junior partner right now? <laughs> I think so. I mean, he, he thinks he, I, I think he's as contributing as much as they are in the last game or so, I think, at least in the Wisconsin game. I, he's getting better all the time. And it was a, I can still remember talking to the, the weight training people down there, and, and they'd say, you know, we're trying to get him, and this is a couple of years ago, we're trying to get him in shape, but, but, you know, when he comes back from a weekend, he's already put on 20 pounds again. So he, he was overweight. And now he's not, and now he's playing like it. Robert Rosenthal is here as well. Are you part of a law firm, by the I, way? I am not. Okay. Just Junior me. partner, nothing, no, zero. <laughs> yes. Great to see you. Lineiboard.com is he is a publisher of that. And uh, well, Calvin Avery is, is kind of one of these stories. We talked today with Kendall Smith. And just There's been some guys on this mm-hmm. squad. Michael Marques comes to mind, even a tip Ryman. They've been around a little bit, Robert. And now we're finally having their moment. And um, in this world of portals and all that, I, I think that's just really cool. That's kind of the old, the old way it used to happen where you finally become a junior or a senior or whatever these six-year guys are, and, and, and you become football players. I mean, it's, it's what Lauren's been talking about for 20 years, right, of, of you know, red shirt, do what Wisconsin and Iowa do, get these guys to their fifth year. When you're you're a lot better football player when you're 22, 23 years old than you are when you were 18, 19. Um, so get them to that point, get them to that moment, and and there they are. There's also got to be a motivation from the coach to get the players to come back and do that. Yes, and that hasn't always been the case. It has certainly been the case with Bielma, and it, it began last year, not this year, but a year ago. Definitely, and it needs to be acknowledged that it's a lot harder to do right now. That It's a lot harder to do that when there's no penalty for transferring out. There's no penalty for leaving. You have to get guys invested in, in believing what you're doing uh, and then you're headed towards something and you see what the guy in front of you did and maybe, I mean, just for an example, maybe Virtus Brown sees what's happening with Avery in his final year and maybe that's motivating for Virtus next year. Who knows? You know, some of these guys obviously are you know, if they're not starting, they're not playing, they're going to leave. But there is something to getting to that fifth, sixth year and, you know, finding your contribution factor. Let's talk for a moment about hopes and dreams. Because you sit in this unique space of fanalism, that's not a word, fanalists. Fanalists. Is there you go. Fanalysis. Yeah, fanalysis. That's what I meant. Yes. <laughs> fanalism is probably something else. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and if you're a football player right now in the Illinois locker room, you need to think about Iowa. If you are uh, um, um, a, a just let's pie in the sky, drink the Kool-Aid fan, mm-hmm. you 
let's book your tickets to Indy. Where are you between the uh, sober-minded analyst side and the this-is-our-year fandom side? I mean, that's the majority of conversations I've had with people this week center around that. You know, there's different types of fans, right? There's the fan that once you win, you know, say Illinois is 8-3 and three going into the Northwestern game and they, they blow it there and they're 8-4. and four. There's some fans that are going to be like, oh, my gosh, this what an opportunity to get nine wins. It's blown. And then there's the other fan that's going to be like, eight wins is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. So, um, so on top of that, it's going to be harder to uh, – you know, as you go along, as you're winning more, as you're as you're beating Wisconsin on the road, the expectations rise. For me, I settle in right at like six wins. If we're in a bowl in Detroit, I'm happy. Uh, you know, this was Vegas had this team at four and a half wins. If they get to five, they've exceeded expectations. And let's be honest, nine is on the table. So why would you bring up something that was made before the season started <laughs> when you didn't know that Duke and Kansas and you didn't know the Texas A&M and you didn't know this right. and you didn't know that? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean it's this, because team, I spent- this team is better than anybody they've played so far, even though they didn't win every game, and they're better than Iowa going in. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're going to win, but yeah. you got to feel pretty strong about Yes. The fact that we're Illinois is a three-point favorite. It took. Do you realize that you want to go back two weeks? We thought Illinois was going to be an underdog in a whole bunch of games here. Now they're going to be the favorite. Yes. Yeah. And th- this was the game that changed everything. That you know, I was yep. talking with someone last night about that first Wisconsin drive. They go down the field. To him, he was like, "Okay, there's the here it is. You know, this is the clock just struck midnight. Here it is. Wisconsin's going to win." 37-3, and then that's it. And you look, okay, well, maybe just Virginia was bad, and this was this was a, a farce. They were just, you know, weren't there. The way this game played out, now everything changes. You know, now but now we still the, haven't been a ranked team. Though. Correct, correct. So but there's still, only one ranked team on the schedule at the moment. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing is, is you know, look, in Lovey's first year, that 2016, you didn't know – Western Michigan was going to go 12-0. and You didn't know you had like a nine-win Minnesota team on the schedule. Everybody just happened to be good this year. Mm-hmm. This year, everybody <laughs> happens to be bad. And it just, it just adds to that of what the potential is. Yeah, I think uh, I, the thing that encourages me is when I saw, I, I look back just the last couple of years, and I see two championships by Northwestern. Yes. Western Division, that yes. is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, it's got the same... Uh, you know, you win the close games and you don't play Ohio State. Yep. <laughs> Those are two really important things. Well, Illinois needs to win some close games and they don't have to play Ohio State. That's, that gives you a step up. And on top of that, if this is a battle, you know, if if these other teams are out of it, if the battle is between Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota, if those are the four teams that are maybe battling for uh, the Big Ten West title, you now you beat Wisconsin on the road. Now you have Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue at home. Mm-hmm. And you have every opportunity to the three teams you are apparently up against for that Big Ten West um, are all coming to Champaign. So even even a year where there's five road games and four home games on the Big Ten slate, even in that kind of year, three of those four home games in the Big Ten are the three teams you're probably going to be battling with trying to get to Indy. Let me give you another hypothetical. And... Uh Again, since you're not a lawyer, because if you're a lawyer, you don't deal in hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. But since you're not, allow me. Illinois has a uh, incredibly successful year, nine, ten wins, whatever you want to say, this year. And allow yourself to dream. You know, next year the the the, the portal will be 
perfectly utilized and uh, uh, the developed players will will emerge next year and, and, and another successful season and, um, you know and maybe that's for two three four years okay just dream for a moment with mm-hmm. me yep. and then things dip for whatever reason do you promise me Robert that you'll be grateful for what you had while you <laughs> had it because Wisconsin appears not to be <laughs> there is no human on earth who would be more grateful for that <laughs> than this person sitting across from you mostly because it was such I mean look I was there right you right. know I used to drive from St. Louis for every game I'd even drive to road games and I'm there watching Illinois get beat by 37 and driving home, everyone else has moved on to basketball. It's November. No one is even paying attention to football anymore, and yet there I am driving to all these games. I haven't forgotten. I won't ever forget yeah. those. Uh, so, yes, if there was a Wisconsin area where it's like, oh, they, he lost three games after going, whatever he was, 67 and 23 his career. Up oh, these three games mean he should be out. Uh, I would I would not lose the perspective of what can happen. I mean, look what's happened to Texas. Look what's happened to to all these top programs. Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. Look what's happened. They're to playing each other this week and right. nobody cares. Yes. Yes. <laughs> who, who would have thought that the Oklahoma-Texas game would be the, the only the Re- Big 1 game without a ranked team? The Red River turned pink. <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it, it can. it's so fickle and it can happen to anybody and every, nobody remembers that Alabama was 3-9 and nine in 2005. You know, like the, it, it can fall apart for everyone and that's what's kind of crazy about, you know, everybody's pointing to the Wisconsin thing and saying, well, look what Nebraska did. They weren't happy with Bo Pelini winning nine games every year, so they made a change, and they haven't gotten anywhere close to it since. You know, and, and I get there's more context to it. There's more layers to what Wisconsin just did, and whether you agree with it or not, you understand why they made the move they did. But to, I had a friend call me today. He's just is an Illinois fan, but a casual one. He goes, did they really? Did Wisconsin just really fire their coach because they lost to Illinois this early in the season? I said yes, but it's it's complicated, and I've only got twenty seconds to explain it to you. But recruiting cycles have changed, and they didn't want to lose their assistant that they believed was their next head coach, and and and, and they didn't want to lose their fans either. Yeah, and so yep. it, so they made their move, and other teams are doing it too. Yep. And he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> but to the average. Passerby, it just looks like, yeah, nobody has any patience for anything. Uh, it was, what have you done for me lately? And Paul Christ is getting paid a lot of money not to be the head coach. So yes. hopefully that will assuage some of the disappointment in his life. The only way I can see that is if the point of the whole thing was, look, we like our defensive coordinator more than we like our head coach. What's the cleanest way to make that change? Well, maybe we will just... You know, make make the move now. He's the interim. Then he should win a bunch of games, and we can name him the head coach. And that way, we don't have to do the awkward thing uh, at the meeting of like, okay, you're not the boss anymore. You're the boss now. Uh, it's your program. Uh, you you go to this role, that kind of thing. So it's the only way it any makes sense to me because it's just that much money for a bad start to a season is is crazy. I do wonder though if the ecosystem here in the Big Ten West has just changed. Yes. I mean, could things align any better for Illinois? Uh, I I can't remember who put this on Twitter, and I I saw it the other day, that, like, right now you have Wisconsin doesn't have a coach. Nebraska doesn't have a coach. Northwestern is in, of of the 15, 18 years of Pat Fitzgerald, this is their lowest point so far. Um, Iowa is content to stay with the, 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 
son of the head coach as the offensive coordinator, which every fan wants him out, but he's staying probably just because he's the son of the head coach. You know, everything is a mess here, there, and everywhere, and here sits, you know, you could probably just say Illinois, Purdue, and Minnesota with a huge opportunity to make a big step forward. Robert Rosenthal writes for IlliniBoard.com. Can you hang through the break? I can. All right, we'll come back. want to talk a little bit about this Iowa game and more. You've got Sports Talk back with more Robert Rosenthal after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who will tell you about a new stud headed this way. 2023 recruit, Dre Gibbs-Law. Welcome back on Sports Talk Live at Homegrown Restaurant in Urbana at the Atkins Golf Course. The quarterback club is gathering here. They're going to eat some dinner in the 5 o'clock hour. I guess we're kind of like the string quartet here, Lauren. We're just going to uh, <laughs> a, a tr- we're just going to play pleasantly in the background. Get your granddaughter here with her cello, by the way. She's a uh, professional she'd be good, cellist. She? She'd, be, she'd be wonderful. Um, Robert Rosenthal, IlliniBoard.com, is here with us, too. What do you think about Iowa and this Saturday? Uh, this game maybe worries me more than Minnesota. Uh, just because, I mean, it's let's be honest, it probably has a lot to do with Illinois. hasn't beaten Iowa since 08, which they did on a last-second field goal. And Illinois has beaten Minnesota, you know, in 2014, 2018, 2020. You know, that's it's a team that they've kind of been able to uh, go up against. Iowa, there's just this thing of that defense shuts down this offense every single time. Um, and it's still a good. De- I mean, it's still probably as good as the Illinois defense. Like you know, they're probably on the same level, and that's that's. Is scary. this two teams waiting for the other team to make a mistake? Oh sure, sure, absolutely, yes. It's. I mean, this. I, I referenced it on a podcast yesterday. Like you know, what if this is like a nineteen fourteen football game where everybody punts eleven times, and you know, the whole idea is like punt to pin them deep so that you can win six three kind of thing. You know. It's Very that possible. kind of thing, and if it's that kind of a game, then Illinois has had punting problems. So that that's a concern if it becomes just this field position game, take advantage of your two trips to the red zone, that kind of thing, and then turnovers will be everything. But how comfortable are you with Tommy DeVito? I, I think he has shown more and more he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Maybe he hasn't been supremely challenged, but he's usually putting it on target. Agreed. And the moxie he has shown in the pocket to know how to sidestep and just get it or give it up, he has just not made a lot of bad decisions. And on top of that, there have been several throwaways that were really, really smart. You know, mm-hmm. that he just he could try to fit it in there by the sideline and the safety's coming and this and that, and he just chooses to, you know, punt the play away, basically throw it out of bounds and, and get him the next time. The the worry, you know, the coaches even Use the word gunslinger before back in the spring of like we wanted we don't want him to have any gunslinger ways of like see that triple coverage I can I can fit a bullet right in there they didn't want that from him and he hasn't shown that he's he's taken care of the ball he's made the right throws he's scrambled and gotten out of the pocket and made things happen and uh, you know this will be his biggest test but you know he's passing so far I'll never forget uh, Lou Holtz years ago uh, had an undefeated season. And- and it was one of the Carolina schools. I don't know, it was State or which one he was at at the time. And, and he said, how come you had that great year? And he said, 
we had the same starting lineup in the last game as we had in the first game. Yep. And that is so critical for Illinois because right now the team is basically high. I know we miss Holmes at defensive end, but that, that's kind of been replaced with Yaka's playing. That's where the freshman is going to be a superstar, I think, someday. Yep. And he's already uh, making moves. And I just think that right now that it looks it, all the it, it looks like good fortunes on the side of Illinois, at least through the first half of the season. Yes, and we've seen, I mean, look, we've had moments of, Look, Isaiah Williams is laying down there on the turf in the Wyoming game, and no, oh, Pat Bryant is down against mm-hmm. against Wisconsin, and you're just thinking, through, you know, Keith Randolph's laying there, and you're thinking, oh gosh, three to four games if he's got some high ankle sprain, what do you do? And they've all bounced up and gotten back the next week. Josh McCray and, and Ezekiel Holmes are the, really the only two, uh, you know, massive injuries. So yeah, it's it's everything is aligning right now. And yeah. Iowa has lost a tight end, and Iowa's lost a receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they, they, uh, two games ago, and I don't know what their status going into this game Saturday, but they only had one scholarship receiver on yep. the team yep. for that one game. But I mean, and so they're they're thin at receiver, and they're not as strong. Although Laporta is very good, but and they've got two tight ends that are decent, no question. I just think if both teams are playing relatively mistake free, mm-hmm. just on their face value, Illinois has a better chance at scoring. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Just I think have that's a more true. capable offense. Yes. Well, yes. yeah. If you play, a, if your opening game against South Dakota State, you don't score a touchdown, and then the next game you lose ten to seven to Iowa State. There's something wrong with your offense. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but but Iowa has on the whole the more capable special teams. So maybe, like you said, Robert, it's you know going to be six to three going into the bottom of the ninth. Yes. You know. <laughs> I mean, this is one of those games I think where. The ability to down the punt at the two instead of it bouncing into the end zone and coming out to the 20, you know, like those are the moments that will, the field position is going to really, really matter because it's both of these defenses, it's hard to put up a 80-yard drive. It's hard to go 85 yards and punch it in against either one of these defenses. The offenses might be able to do something if they're set up at midfield because they've pinned you at the two, they force the three and out, your punter's punting from the end zone, you get it at the 45, well, now you're almost in field goal range. That's the kind of game this kind of sets up to be. You're right. If there's no mistakes and there's no field position issues, I don't think the Iowa defense can move the ball – or, sorry, the Iowa offense can move the ball on the Illinois defense. Um, you know, if they can't move it on South Dakota State, they're, they're probably yeah. not going to move it on By the, the way, we're, we're, we're not going to outpunt Taylor. No, although he, you know, he's I one mean, of the best in the country. Kirk Ferentz was not happy with his special teams this past week. He well, said, but but on the whole, yeah, he has shown more. Let me give you this: going into November, if Illinois is six and two, however they've gotten there uh, after the next three ball games, if they're six and two, will 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 Memorial Stadium see a sellout? What's going to take to get there? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know I, if you I, can I, do it in one year. Yeah. I don't. If I, if you have a fan base that has been waiting. For show me that you're good. I mean, so far it's it's good so yeah. far. Yeah. What I, else are you waiting for? Yes. I mean, you know, we saw the sellout of Kansas. We've seen all the, you know, getting to sixty is a lot harder than some of these stadiums that are forty five thousand. Is that what Kansas is? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. So Kansas is closer to forty, I believe. So yeah. sixty is that that that's that number is what what makes this a little harder. Uh, you've you know. got to have sellout. You've got to, and you get to sellouts. You've got to have more season ticket holders yes. when the season starts. Correct. And you need to get it up over thirty. You need to get it up in the neighborhood of forty. Yes. And if I think you're going to sell out sixty. Yes. Going back to 
why 97 had better attendance than in an 0-11 campaign than mm-hmm. last year did even is yes. probably the baseline of season tickets out was higher. The reason well, the yeah. North Carolina was a sellout in 2016 – I mean, remember the stat when Lovey got the job? They sold like 3,000 season tickets that day or something like that. And, uh, you know, it was something like 10,000 that spring just from Lovey getting the job. That rises the whole boat. And then when you have the 15,000 people show up or get tickets for a specific game, you know, if you're coming from a base of 35,000, you know, season ticket holders instead of 18 or whatever it would be, then obviously it's a lot easier to get there. I mean, I. It, it's such it's the debate this week, right? You know, you see sellouts everywhere else, and Kansas is selling out. And, and if Illinois is having a, a, a familiar or a similar season to that, should they sell out? It's it's just a long way to go from this average crowd of you know what was there thirty seven thousand at the Virginia game. It's a long way to go from thirty seven to sixty. It is. Yeah. Maybe got to get game day here, huh? Yes. Well, I mean. Remember what I said with you guys last week. I, I said that if Minnesota won out and Illinois beat Wisconsin and Iowa, you might see two ranked teams and you might see game tape pick Champagne for the for the Minnesota game. But Minnesota lost to Purdue, and that's probably out the window. All right, if we can hear over the din, we do have a phone caller on the line. Uh, I think aimed for Lauren. Let's go to Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, Lauren. Uh, I want to ask you since – this is Iowa about Rocky Ryan and the in the 15 year absence between 52 and 67 with Iowa. Well, let me first and of all say that uh, Rocky told me if I ever discussed that again, he was going to punch me. But <laughs> Rocky's not around well, anymore, I, so he can't punch okay, me. Is but, there any way? And, but and, but uh, no, uh, there was a, there was a guy came out of the stands when when the when the Illinois team was coming off and. Rocky, uh, he, I, you know, Rocky turned and broke his jaw with a, with a punch, and the two uh, schools got together, and they didn't play for 15 years. My, my other question uh, or comment is uh, this isn't 1990 when Nick Bell and Iowa came in here. We were ranked number five, and they destroyed us. So Iowa always seems to get up to play here at Illinois. So expectations are high, but the Iowa team is a dangerous team. And um, it's well, going to take no, no question they're dangerous. So we all understand that, but it's a toss-up And game. Illinois doesn't win in Wisconsin either, but it just yeah. did. Yeah. So. And yeah. might I note that a certain Iowa defensive lineman on the sideline during that Nick Bell game named Brett Bielma was in the stadium. I mean – Look, somehow I got the first question of his opening press conference uh, that day on Zoom, and that's what I asked about. Like, you walked into that stadium, 1990. Illinois was number five. Iowa was number 11. You destroyed them that day. What do you remember about that crowd, and what can you do to get back to that? And he has pointed to that game for a long time. So I can almost guarantee he is bringing that up. But here's what Iowa was talking about. Here's what we were talking about in the locker room coming into face number five, Illinois, in 1990. This is how they are. They, this is how they view us. This is what they're going to attempt to do this week. Robert, thanks for making this. Uh, well, last one, Tim. Do go you, ahead. Uh, okay? Do you see any comparison with uh, Jason Verduzco to our Tommy DeVito? I think they're, they seem to be a lot alike with their. I think so. Their, their attitude. I think that's good. Because yeah, I do. Okay, guys. Well, thanks. Hope ILL. Thanks a lot, Tim. Do appreciate it. Robert, thanks for making the trek over here. You got it. 
you go to quarterback clubs ever? Have you ever? Uh, I have a couple times. I didn't know that this was going on today. That's why I'm dressed in my <laughs> – I got my Brett Bielma flip-flop Friday going on. <laughs> that's, that's my true. athletic shorts. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm dressed for dinner and dinner attire. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I have attended some of these, and they're great. Thanks a lot, sir. Thank you. Enjoy it. We'll be back in a moment to transition to the next hour here on Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Headed towards the top of the hour and hour number two of Sports Talk here on DWS. CU Under Construction is adding solar roofing to their portfolio. I recently had a conversation with them about it. When it comes to putting solar panels on your roof, well, it's, it's actually a pretty straightforward process, but there's a lot of questions around it. I was really pleased with how they walked me through the process, how they were able to show me exactly where panels would be on my roof. This was all done on a quick Zoom conference, and they were able to show me the kind of savings that I might make over the long haul on the utility bill but the installation of solar panels. There's a lot of factors. Depends on where your house is, trees in your neighborhood, where what side, uh, what, where your roof faces, all that kind of stuff. And, of course, uh, the cost of electricity. You've got to be in, on Ameren Power for all that, but they can help you understand that. It's a pretty quick, low-pressure conversation just to give you an awareness and understand how the whole process works from start to finish. This is one of the things CU Under Construction is offering right now. Sister company to CU Trade Services with plenty of skilled trades professionals in-house. So no matter the project, they're able to keep it all there together and work off of each other. Check them out, cuunderconstruction.com. Scott and Lauren here with you till the top of the hour. Then Evan's uh, taken over. We're at the Atkins Golf Club and the homegrown restaurant for Quarterback Club. Lauren, you'll be the featured speaker. Do you need to practice anything here before your speech to the quarterback club? I, like I said, I can't wait to see what I'm going to say. <laughs> I think I've only got like five minutes or ten, something like sure. that. And they're going to ask me some questions, and that's okay. That's what I'm used to. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a favorite topic when you – this is not the first time you've presented. Well, no. I, I This is just going to be an off-the-cuff thing. I, yeah. I, I don't know what you – know, I'm going to talk about – I am going to bring up some things about Bielma that uh, I think are pertinent because, you know, I've been here uh, before he got here. I've, I've been a sports writer here uh, for 12, for 11 coaches before him, and 10 of them got fired. <laughs> <laughs> and so some got fired for uh, infractions, some got fired because they lost too many games. And the problem with that, and I'm going to mention this, uh, is that you know uh, a year or two beforehand it's going to happen. Yep. And it doesn't make it very uh, – it's not a happy period in that, in that time. 